2: Yeah, yeah. This, is, this week is why God made happy hour. Uh-huh. I oh, mean, yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene and gazpacho police and Trump, you know, flushing papers down the shitter. I mean, uh, was this, this week was made for us.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. I, this week was an entire poop emoji.
2: Yes, yes, a lot of them in a row.
1: Yes, lots. He just,
2: put not just classified, top secret documents. He stole them, destroyed them. Yep. Put them in the shitter, yeah. much like he did the country. So this week we talked to Ted Lou about uh, when Donald Trump might be frog-marched. Yes, into prison. Yes. And Ellie Mistal on roughly uh, the same the same t- as subjects and more. Just general injustice in America, the
1: N-word, you know, yeah. etc. That was a great N-word discussion that we had with Yeah, him. Yes. well, he had it, yeah. it. was his nine-year-old
2: came home yeah. and said someone called him the N-word. Yeah. And it, so, you know, between Joe Rogan and whatever, great mm-hmm. conversation with uh, Ellie. Great conversation with Ted Lieu, who is a former prosecutor, because we're just all like, I isn't this... Fucking illegal, all of it, Ted? Just what happened, I don't know, in the last 20 minutes? I think isn't it every day? Every day we're like, what? I.
3: I... It's a yes and.
2: Right. It's we were a... saying Watergate, there were plumbers, but we need actual plumbers to get the shit covered, top secret classified information. Plungers. Out of the shitter. Yes. We need a, someone to get America out of the shitter.
1: Yes. Yeah. We, we need a plunger. We
2: need the gazpacho police. Oh, oh my God. Some weeks the stupid is going to kill us, isn't it?
3: One of these days they will catch up to us.
2: <laughs> stupid on COVID, the stupid, just the stupid. We're going to
3: die because uh-huh. of stupid people. Oh,
2: did you see one right wing stupid? What? Said uh, uh, Massey, Thomas Massey. Oh. Said, oh, a lot of the people that died of COVID were on Medicare and they want to have Medicare for all. Right. It was being on Medicare that killed them, not COVID. A lot of them died in shoes. So maybe we should outlaw shoes as well. The stupid it is burns. going to fucking kill us. It burns. Okay. going to die. All right. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Happy drink, ha- happy drink. Happy, happy hour. Yeah. Drink, drink, drink. Lug, lug, lug. Chug, chug, chug. Chug, chug, chug. Glug, glug, glug. Enjoy. From I know you know, from the great state of California, Representative Ted Lu, Congressional Rock Star. <laughs> Representative, good morning, sir. Good morning, Stephanie. I don't, I just told you off air. I was telling you what's going on with my 99 year old mom. And I said, You do give me hope, I swear, when we all feel overwhelmed by our own lives and by, you know, just everything COVID and uh, what's going on with the, uh, you know, the RNC calling January 6th, what did they call it? Legitimate political discourse. discourse and yeah. we all think we're taking crazy pills. There you are out there every day you tweeted dear gop chairwoman and gop leader do you believe abducting officer mike fanon and driving a stun gun into his neck as the gop called the january 6 insurrection legitimate political discourse thank you i mean i hate to say it but they've handed us a huge political gift with this haven't they
3: uh, absolutely the overwhelming majority of americans watched and saw what happened on january 6th they saw it was an attack on our nation's capital they saw that 140 police officers were assaulted, and they understand that it was a riot. It was an insurrection. They were trying to keep the former president in power illegitimately. And when the Republican National Committee calls that legitimate political discourse, that really puts them at the fringe of mainstream America.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, ab- absolutely. By the way, you were uh, you were also talking about uh, Greg Sargent uh, tweeted the important point is that Trump was repeatedly told he was breaking the law in terms of just the records part of this, Um, yet he continued to do it. And you say as the legislative branch, Congress does not enforce laws. The Justice Department enforces federal law. But when one person continues to get away with being above the law, that is deeply corrosive to our government and to the Department of Justice. I mean, Chairman er, or excuse me, Congressman, as a prosecutor. What is your take on Merrick Garland and the Justice Department and what they are doing or not doing and the the speed of it?
3: So, not even just as a prosecutor, but just as an ordinary American, Mm -hmm. we either believe that no one's above the law or we don't. And if you have someone who consistently breaks the law and nothing happens, then that sends a very bad message to the rest of America. And it's very corrosive to our government and also to the Department of Justice. The 5th Committee is doing a fabulous job exposing all the wrongdoings of the former president and his enablers. And I really do hope that the Department of Justice looks at their work seriously. And if there are violations of the federal laws, then I would expect the department to prosecute those violations.
2: Well, that's the thing, isn't it, is they I think they are doing great work. But as you say, they're not a prosecutorial body. I mean, Fawnie Willis, the prosecutor in Georgia. God bless her. But, you know, she has a local department, as you know, with local resources. This is a huge national, you know, uh, uh, What do you, I don't know what you want to call it. Fed, it should be a huge federal prosecution, right? Whether it's the fake electors, Georgia is only a small part of this whole picture, right? Of of overthrow of the government and insurrection and uh, uh, so on.
3: That's right. I want to say Georgia is a small part. I think it's actually a pretty important part. Yeah. And The prosecutor in Georgia did disclose they're going to be basically sending out subpoenas uh, in in a few months, which is, I think, good news that their investigation is continuing. And as you know, the former president specifically called up the Secretary of State of Georgia and told him to find a little over 11,000 some votes so that Trump could illegitimately win a state that he had lost. But the Department of Justice, as you point out, does have a vast amount of resources and they have to learn from the Mueller investigation, I believe Mueller failed. Uh, he was charged with investigating, and he is a prosecutor. And if you believe that federal crimes were committed, if you read his reports, he believed that he sure charged those crimes, particularly the obstruction of justice, where he laid out yeah. basically enough evidence that any rational prosecutor would have charged those crimes.
2: Well, you know, as Glenn Kirshner, our friend, always tells us, you, someone's got to take the maiden legal voyage. And at least, God bless Fawny Willis, she's the first one that has said Trump is under criminal investigation. It, you know, I mean, it, it, at least that much. You don't have to give away what's happening in the investigation to, because I think you're right, Congressman. Is, there's so much happening out in the open that is believing, leading people to believe that there's no laws that apply to him.
3: That's exactly right. And look, we shouldn't treat the former president uh, as if he were guilty. He is be innocent. However, if evidence shows that he violated federal law, that he should be treated just like any other American who violated federal law and be investigated. And if, in fact, the violations happen, then he should be prosecuted.
2: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the January 6th committee. So uh, Trump was in the Oval Office with his daughter, Ivanka and uh, Pence's National Security Advisor on the morning of uh, the 6th when he made another push to pressure Pence. Uh, he said, you don't have the courage to make a hard decision. He called Trump uh, or Pence a wimp. Uh, Pence rebuffed the demand. When the call ended, Ivanka Trump turned to Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg and said, Mike Pence is a good man. Kellogg said, yes, he is. Now the House committee wants to know what else Ivanka Trump heard and saw that day. Um, they One of the representatives said Ivanka Trump has details about what occurred in the lead up to and on January 6th about the former president's state of mind as uh, events unfolded. Um, it just, I, we've got to put a stop, don't we, Congressman? As a former prosecutor, we've got to put a stop to people thinking subpoenas are just optional and they have no, you know, they're like a party invitation and they have no uh, duty to the American people to tell the truth.
3: That's correct. And that's why I have legislation that. Every day is getting more and more co-authors that would allow the House of Representatives to execute what's called our inherent content power. That is a power the U.S. Supreme Court has upheld, which will allow us to enforce our own subpoenas through actions such as either fines or incarceration.
2: Yeah, no. I And, that, and again, applause to you for that. Um, let's just talk about in general, you tweeted more jobs and higher wages equals good assaulting police officers on January 6th with baseball bats and bear spray equals bad. The contrast between Democrats and Republicans could not be clearer. Democrats are fighting for the people. The RNC is fighting for the rioters. Um, I I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the mainstream media telling me that the midterms have already happened and Democrats have already lost. Right. I mean, it's just, it, it seems like we really, you look at this economy as you say, the Biden boom in the American rescue plan, a resulted of in massive job growth. You just can't dispute the numbers of Biden's record, can you?
3: You're going to see a comeback America. Sort of, I think, theme a message happening over the next few months. And you're absolutely right. Under the Biden administration, we created 7 million jobs in 12 months, the most in U.S. history. You also see... Significant declines now in the Omicron variant, and in a few weeks, the case rates are going to be very low. And you're going to see really the Infrastructure Law in the American Rescue Plan, and all the benefits that flow from those two laws, are really pumping up this economy even more. And so, I think by the fall of this year, the American people are going to look at the situation and realize that they're in a better place now than they were two years ago.
2: Congressman, what are the chances of getting? even parts of Build Back Better or voting rights done before the midterms? What do you think?
3: So with Build Back Better, the House passed a fabulous, amazing bill. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Senate was unable to pass it. However, I believe we can pass a slimmed down version of Build Back Better. There are a number of provisions in there. For example, the prescription drug provision actually has bipartisan support. Hopefully we can get that through. There are a number of very popular programs in there uh, for workforce training, for example, uh, to help with elder care and a number of other uh, amazing environmental provisions. So I think we have a chance of passing a slim down version. And then what we see in terms of voting rights, unfortunately you're going to have to convince uh, two U.S. Democratic senators uh, to change your views on the filibuster. However, the best way to prevail on voting rights is to elect – two more Democratic U.S. Senators. And there's more than enough U.S. Senators that are up this November in swing states that we could absolutely add two more Democratic U.S. Senators.
2: Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask you, I i know to ask anybody what's up with Joe Manchin, nobody knows the answer to yeah. that. But, you know, didn't he just say the other day, like, his offer that was on the table about Build Back Better, he goes, oh, well, that's off the table now. I mean, why? Except for petulance, why... I don't understand You just talked about a slim down, build back better. It's just impossible to know what he and cinema want date given day to day. Right. I mean, there's so, as you say, there's so many pieces of this that he seems to support. It's like, well, why, why take your ball and go home? Why not go, okay, you had this offer on the table. Let's start from there. But it just, how do you negotiate with that?
3: It is difficult to negotiate with folks who say different things on different weeks yeah, I think uh, maybe we just call the bill something else
2: and- yeah well, let's just yeah. call it whatever Joe Manchin wants bill how about that <laughs>
3: exactly the West Virginia is awesome bill exactly. <laughs> uh, yes yes
2: <laughs> pardon me that's fine yes I'm fine with that let's just call it Joe Manchin's awesome okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> representative you do you give me hope for America and for our democracy keep on fighting the good fight thanks for taking time for us
3: thank you, thank you Stephanie all
2: right Hi, Ellie, we are in a time and a place when we must say uh, Joe Biden is not giving out free crack pipes.
1: So let's just emphasize a couple of things here, right? Hmm. Like the the story that Joe Biden was giving out free crack pipes was invented by Tom Cotton because he didn't want to fund a $30 million Ronald Reagan program about drug harm reduction, all right? So that's number one. Number two, I don't call people stupid idly, But to emphasize how freaking dumb Marjorie Taylor Greene is, understand, she said the word gazpacho police, right? Which which really shows that she has no idea what she's talking about because nobody says Gestapo police, right? It's the Gestapo or the secret police, right? Right. She merged two things, which just shows a level of idiocy not often seen in these United States. It's Um, before
2: you even get to the soup-related part. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just wow we are just done with racist dog whistles right we're just like you know free crack pipes right I mean it's it's I I don't I mean, we were, Michael don't, Harry
1: did a thread right that you know just just to remind people that more white people use drugs than black people in raw yeah. numbers yeah. or what they're more white meth heads than there are black crack smokers but, I mean there there's there all these things around it right that you can say but it's just it was just a straight let's let's do some racism for an entire news cycle on fox news while you know while another round of indictments is happening while another round of subpoenas i mean sorry not indictments because you know we know who our attorney general is while another round of subpoenas are happening while more evidence is coming out of the corruption and crimes of the previous administration let's have a whole news cycle about crack yeah, because it's, it's yeah. before.
2: But I mean, we're just done with dog whistles. Whether it's wh- who is the right wing group about the you know we have the pre Super Bowl panic because I don't know if you've noticed, but the halftime performers are black, black. So there's already what are they calling it? Satanic panic. Yeah, yes. it's going to be a satanic ritual, care according to some right wing QAnon something something. And then you cut to the Confederate flag at the trucker thing. I, I don't know. Was
1: <laughs> it me? You know who is who else it is black just- stuff? Pardon me. Seventy. You know who else is black stuff? Seventy percent of the players. In the Super Bowl. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So maybe it's okay if a black person also sings and dances at halftime.
2: Okay. So you (laughs) tweeted about the uh, your uh, nine-year-old having having a conversation with him about the n-word. So you said I guess a black friend at school said that another black person called him the word uh, and the friend was confused as was my kid. I mean I Joe Rogan said the video compilation of him saying the n-word I believe it is 24 times. It's a political hit job because, you know, it's all smushed together. Um, he also said uh, he initially thought as long as he used the racial slur in context, the, context, the audience would understand what he was doing. Um, your thoughts?
1: No. So uh, Chris Rock has this joke. It's old now, but it came out. He, it was one of his specials right after Kramer from Seinfeld got in yeah. hot water for shouting the N-word. In the, right? And, you know, Chris Rock said, this man shouted the N-word unprompted for five minutes what does a man have to do to be racist in this country shoot medga evers and that's <laughs> what i feel about joe rogan like if you if saying the n-word repeatedly on your show is not enough for people to say like hey that guy might be from racist like if that's not like what like what does rogan actually have to do to make people feel like he's racist does he have to literally put on a hood and that's the thing that you see with a lot of white people It's like if the racism doesn't come with a hood, if it doesn't come with a burning cross, if it doesn't come with some rope, then they act like it can't be true. Then they act like it can't exist. And that's simply not the case. That's that's simply not the case. It is it is entirely possible to be a racist jerk face while also, you know, keeping your bullets in your gun instead of going out onto the street and shooting the, the first black person you see. Yeah. Well, racism I, does not require vigilante violence to yeah. make it wrong and dangerous.
2: Yeah. Well, because he was saying I, I'm not sure what the context is that a white person can say the N word in a non racist way 24 times. But OK, I, for instance, Chris, you and I have a story we told. We will tell you that. But I, again, we never said the N word mm-hmm. when Larry Elder was running for governor. We talked about that. Our show used to follow his and we knew him very well. Right. At, at, uh, at KBC. And my best friend and executive producer at the time was an African-American woman. We would always have to check topics. Like, what did, you know, the host before you do so you didn't repeat topics? That's mm-hmm. what you did back in yeah. the talk radio day. So that was a running joke that we would say, what did Larry talk about today? And she would say, because she was African-American, she would say, same thing he talks about every day, N-words ain't... Right. And N-words ain't is, S. So, but, yeah. but again, I wouldn't say the word, but she could because she's African-American. So,
1: yeah, but
2: well, go ahead. Yeah,
1: I, look, I can. I generally yeah. don't. I, right. Ever seen right. that, that, there's that episode of a uh, of, uh, 30 Rock where, twofer se- where, where, where like, Tracy Morgan tries to get twofer to say it, and twofer says it, and then, like, Tracy Morgan gets in the bite. It's like, oh, it just sounds so painful coming for you. Like, I can't quite pull it off, to, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's just, you know, but it's also, like, I never want to, like, the other reason why I don't, even though I can't, why I don't say it, is that I never want to give white people license right. or, or, or perceived license. To say it to me or around me. I have an experience with this I in college, and this is, sorry to be on your couch right now, yeah. but I, <laughs> in college, you know, one of my good friends in college around the dorm, like around, you know, privately, would white guy would refer to me as, you know, what's up, my N-word, right? Ah. And like the first time it happened, I just, I didn't say anything. And like the second time it happened, I was like, dude, okay, I get it, like, you know, but I didn't like make a huge deal out of it. Right. We were, you know, we're playing PlayStation 1, Tekken, whatever. He, you know, a couple of weeks after, you know, so now it's like testing defenses. So like you said it a couple of times in private, nothing bad's happened. Now we're in the dining hall. And he's like, oh, that's Ellie. That's my N word. In the middle of this crowded dining hall. So I punch him. So because like, that's the only, <laughs> only recourse at that point. Like now we have to fight, right? Yeah. And he is shocked. Like, we are roommates. He is shocked when I just hit him in the chin for him calling me a racial slayer. So, you know, we scuffle and whatever. And then we get back to the room, you know, later. And he's like, why did you hit me? And I'm like, you can't, you just, that's not a word you're allowed to say. Yeah. You're just not allowed, like, I don't care what other people have told you. I don't okay. care what other black people have told you. You are not allowed to say that word. It's the one word you can't say. It's the one, it's your one tax for... <laughs> yes being yeah. part of the race that enslaved and oppressed people for 100 years you've 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 lost the privileges to say uh were yeah yeah it's it's not a, it's not a word that i'm it's not a word that my what my wife is from, from 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 africa from zimbabwe they're you know the it's not a word that either of us are comfortable right. using.
2: What, what, just quick, quickly, because I know we have to get to the law. By the way, we should stipulate <laughs> that college was Harvard. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: um, what did you say to your nine-year-old? How did you explain it to him? Just quickly, I was uh, well, curious. Well, I told him
1: that any word can be made a slur if you say it long enough with enough vitriol and hate in your heart. And so I gave him an example. I mean, imagine if I, you know, somebody could imagine if I said, you dumb spoon. I'm going to take all your Pokemon cards today, you dumb, ugly, smelly spoon. I explained to him that like, after a while, I wouldn't have to put the rest of the adjectives on. Just the word spoon would make him hurt, would hurt his feelings and whatever. And that white people have decided that the N-word is that word for us. And they have used that against us, not once or twice, but millions of white people, millions of times over hundreds of years. And that's why that word is so hurtful. I told them that it's not that the word itself has power. It's that the people who use it think they have power over Mm -hmm. you. And they're trying to do it to hurt your feelings. That's why it hurts.
2: That's great. Now you've ruined a spoon for me. Now I don't even want to cuddle in bed with anyone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie has a new book out. It is called Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. We love the title. Um, You talk about what rights we have, what rights Republicans are trying to take away, and how to stop them. That seems to be the most uh, helpful part of this, right, is that you talk about what we need to do. So talk to us about that and about the book real quick.
1: I mean, obviously, we need to take the court seriously. We need to take the court as seriously and as, as life or death political struggle as the Republicans do. And when we have a chance to put people on the court, to expand the court to whatever, we need to put liberals on the court. And we need to have an understanding of what that word means. Right now, we're, we're in the situation where Biden's going to nominate a person. There's lots of, you know, we're the Democrats, so we can't all fall in line. So there's already fault lines being being uh, drawn around the person and their potential qualifications, their potential personal histories. And it's interesting to me because all of this stuff is kind of backwards looking in terms of like who these people have been for you know the first 50 years of their life and not what kind of decisions they're going to issue for the next 20 or 30 years of their life. Right. And so my book is really about like what what does a liberal justice even sound like? You know, what, what is the operative difference? Because most people don't know. Most people can't tell me the difference between Stephen Breyer and Samuel Alito in terms of, like, actual judicial philosophy. And most people certainly can't tell me the difference between Stephen Breyer and Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. other than, like, one like the ladies. Like, that's all they really get, right? <laughs> um, they don't know what an aggressive defense of, you know, aggressive attack against uh, Second Amendment, you know, unfettered Second Amendment rights looks like. They don't know what an aggressive uh, 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 jurisprudence around police brutality at the federal level would even look like. And they certainly don't know what it sounds like to defend abortion from these people. I don't call them pro-life. I call them forced birth advocates. They don't know what it's like to actually get in the trenches and fight the moral war against the the forced birth advocates. Um, For our constitutional soul And so my book kind of tries to teach people how to do that And
2: by the way, your piece No attack on voting rights is too racist for the Supreme Court You know, goes to every point you make About why we need to expand the Supreme Court But you talk about the Alabama redistricting map Uh, You just said we're back to the Jim Crow era, not just in terms of the laws states are passing against the franchise, but also in how the Supreme Court refuses to enforce constitutional amendments prohibiting apartheid. That law reminds me of, remember, the judge that said it targets people of color with surgical precision. You said uh, five of the conservatives voted to reinstate Alabama's racist maps. Chief Justice Roberts voted with the liberals but indicated he would go back to the conservative side once he got to the merits of the case. Um you just said good luck white folks. Let us know what kind of country you all decide to have. I'll be waiting online to vote while white people bemoan the lack of black turnout on TV. Um it, it, it is depressing. <laughs> I mean you're, where we are with voting rights, you are you you said it. We are back we are in the Jim Crow era with these laws. You're
1: such a good broadcaster because nah. this really completely links up with what we were talking about earlier <laughs> about Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. It's these white people who think that unless your racism comes with a side of vigilante violence, then it's not really racist. The reason why I'm saying this is a direct one-to-one correlation with you know with Jim Crow laws and with what the court did during the Jim Crow era is because intellectually, this is the same decision as a Plessy v. Ferguson. It's a decision to allow states' rights, the argument for states' rights, the argument that states are free with very limited uh, uh, restrictions to do whatever they want within the borders of their own state to trump constitutional principles like equality and fairness and the 15th Amendment's right to vote. Now, white people have, some white people have reacted to me saying like, "This this is not at all like Jim Crow, because all they can see is the vigilante violence around Jim Crow. But the vigilante violence around Jim Crow was simply enforcing, enforcing the racist rules that legislatures and courts already authorized, right? Like, you got in yeah. trouble, you got beaten by Jim Crow during the Jim Crow era by trying to violate the laws and the, the racist laws and restrictions placed upon you by the white people. And, that's, and the court right now is authorizing the same racist laws and restrictions. Yeah. We haven't yet, in every situation, seen the violence yet. But just because the violence hasn't come yet doesn't mean that the laws aren't every bit as racist.
2: Yep. Um, I always want to go along with you real quick. I'm s- I'm glad your eyes did not roll entirely back in your head as you followed Peter Navarro directly yesterday on Ari Melber's <laughs> show. But first of all, why the f- does he keep going on Ari, Mel- on Ari Melber's show? And secondly, like, I, I, are we going to see justice? These people keep going on television and <laughs> admitting their crimes.
1: i they keep going on television and convincing crimes. They're they're basically the they're, they're basically Daniel Day Lewis, right? They're I have abandoned my boy. I've abandoned and nothing ever happens to them. So I, I look, I Peter and made very bad arguments and I tried to explain to the viewers who just had to see it, like why those arguments were so bad. But like it, you know what? It's the person that I hoped was watching that segment was Merrick Garland. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I, mean, like I, right.
1: I, I hope that, that, that someday Merrick Garland decides that all of these criming, all of this criming that's happening in plain sight, deserves some Department of Justice attention. That's yep. all I can hope
2: for. Yep, there you go. Ellie, uh, fantastic as always. I always wish we had with you longer. Please get the book. Allow me to retort. Uh, available for pre-order now. Uh, we'll talk to you, I'm sure, before it comes out. Thanks, honey. Thanks for having me. All
3: right, here you go.